Hello and welcome to Recruiting in Hospitality from caterer.com. I'm Lance Lotner Ryan. And in each programme, we discuss employability and employment in the UK hospitality industry. We talk about retention, recruitment, development, and matters that affect you and your team. Now, uh, for many years now, caterer.com has been a proud partner with Catering Scotland uh, for the awards uh, for excellence. And they're upon us again. They were postponed uh, postponed from, from last year for reasons I don't need to uh, enter into. But um, they're back and we're going to find out a lot more about what's going on with, with the awards and hospitality in Scotland. And I'm delighted to say that from Catering Scotland I have with me today, it's Alex Buchanan. Hello. How are, How are you? you? I'm well. I'm very well. Um, I understand the kids are back to school now. <laughs> They are. We um we've kept them uh, locked up for the last couple of months, uh, sort of force feeding well, them in that in that wardrobe. Rudimentary, yeah, that one there. They've just been let out, but um yeah, we've sort of sort of a- attempted to uh, to educate them a little bit. Um, but they've actually gone back to school for everyone's sake. I think actually they um they effectively ran out of the house yesterday morning when school started again. Yeah, because they my, were as desperate to get out of here as we were to have them out. So yeah, absolutely. My my uh, daughter is uh, in Scotland as well as you know, and um, she was she w- it was like she'd eaten a bag of Haribos. She was just <laughs> we yeah, took very... we we took a, a long time to scrape them off the ceiling uh, <laughs> before before we could coax them down to get them out of the house. But I tell you, it's so quiet here; it's very very eerie. Uh, Takes uh, so... getting used to. Oh, it does. I mean, I, I can't I can't lock my door in my office because it's an old fashioned handle with no mortise lock or anything else. And they used to. Um, it's like it's like being in the house with Cato from the Pink Panther. It's, it's, <laughs> like you see these you see these these news reports of the you know, the guy, he was uh, the ambassador, I think, a couple of years ago or last year. And, and he was he was basically ambushed by his little kid. But she wasn't meaning to. She was just kind of coming in her little. Uh, sort of push trolley yeah. toy and but these guys i mean mine actually come in to deliberately sabotage my meetings <laughs> and 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 at one point i had i was on a friend's one i'll just tell you this quickly i was on a, a friend's uh, uh kind of friday night drinking session and uh and they kept on coming in so i i hooked the door underneath the handle uh, and sat on the door at an angle and then i heard this and they'd started drilling the lock basically <laughs> <laughs> and then they just pulled the lock out and i went flying and the pc went wild my beer flew so at that point i decided they have to go back to school <laughs> you should have recorded that that would be priceless i i don't know if it was being recorded but you would have seen if it had been the computer just going <laughs> yeah that's so, funny. that's so funny fortunately uh yeah I, I was i was a little bit uh too far gone to to make much sense of it. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, the awards are upon us again. Let's go into a little bit of background. Tell me about the history of catering in Scotland. How did it uh, begin? How did it develop? So we, I, I was working for a publishing company 18, 19 years ago, and they had a stable of about four or five different uh, trade titles. So they had a property title, a business title, a legal title, and then they bought Catering Scotland because they wanted to get to hospitality. But uh, back in those days, it was very much a, a catering title. It was called Catering Scotland. Uh, it didn't really pay much attention to the hospitality side of things. It paid even less attention to the tourism side. And 
uh, my business partner, uh, well, who he became my business partner, Gordon uh, Clark, and I realized that actually the, the publishing house were missing a trick with this because they were really appealing to literally just the kind of stainless steel you know, type of sorry type of catering that um, that that was uh, you know in every kind of office and, and every kind of school at that time. But catering was going through a change, and it was also inextricably linked to to hospitality and, and, and becoming more so with tourism. You couldn't have any of them without the other one sort of thing. So we we sort of spread the net a little bit wider and started to develop it within this firm. And then we got word that actually the firm had maybe spread themselves a bit too thin and they were you know thinking of selling off a title. So long story short, we ended up buying it from them uh, and went our own way with it only within about a year or so of, of, of uh, starting on it. So Gordon was the sales director and I was editor. Uh, and I had I had two or three people working from within the firm on on the title with us, and they actually left and came to work with us at the same time, and and we all kind of hived off and and, and set up on our own, uh, and so that worked really really well for about ten years. The, the following year, we we set up the CIS Excellence Awards, which we'd been planning together to actually set up within the publishing company, but thankfully that hadn't gone down the road, so we didn't need to buy that part of it from them. We were able to to start it on our own afresh. Uh, it, it actually the the whole buyout. Uh, ex well, extended and, uh, and lengthened the process by a year because I think we would have we would have got round to it um, a lot a lot sooner uh, had we had the, the sort of might of the publishing house behind us. But um, setting up on our own was a bit more of a challenge, but ultimately more rewarding. Uh, and it also meant that we could put our stamp on it and actually uh, able we were able to develop it uh, as we wanted to. So the CIS awards were set up in two thousand and four, and then we ran Catering Scotland magazine alongside that. Um, and then trade publishing eventually started to evolve and change, and, and we realised the, the power of online. And actually, most people were getting their information uh, online um, around sort of 2010 to 2013. We were beginning to notice this, so we redeveloped the site, stopped publishing the magazine, and moved everything online. Right, right, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Oh, yeah, I, I, uh, a lot of magazines are doing that, going and 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 taking everything exclusively i still like to hold a physical product um, but you know that's me personally i'm, no, I'm a no, collector no. of those things those things but um uh, but i understand how it's you know as, as far as the industry goes i can understand completely why it's more uh you know more feasible to move forward in that direction it was um it was it was funny because we, we we set up a this CateringScotland.com, which we already had, we had a, a site that kind of followed the magazine and everything that came out in the magazine was then published on the site. But timing wise, it was the wrong way around. Everything should really have been published first as quickly as you had it online and then followed up in a magazine sort of thing. But it didn't, it wasn't going to work that way. So we all, we redeveloped it. And actually very quickly, we realized that the site became not so much a, an online magazine, because even now that's still not that popular. So I totally understand what you're meaning about that. But it became more of a marketing platform for companies and hospitality and catering to be able to market their services and we use SEO and we use all sorts of kind of um, the dark arts of, of, of internet marketing to be able to get those using editorial to get uh, to get the, the our clients further up the search engines that they're, they're then found more easily by their clients. Uh, so it became more of a marketing site and then we started publishing in 2013 the Catering Scotland yearbook, which was a physical yeah. 120, 150 page yearbook, which was great for about three or mm. four years, a huge amount of work to put together. Yeah, Because you only have a certain, a certain amount of time at the end of the year to be able to put it together in time for the start of the following year. Um, so we did that for four years and then thought, this is actually killing us. 
so we concentrated more on the online uh, side of things and the awards right terrific terrific what do you feel uh let's, let's talk about you know your position in scotland um what, what how do you feel catering scotland serves scottish hospitality i mean what's what what's the feedback like for for what the services you provide so when we started cateringscotland.com there wasn't and there still isn't really anything out there that is hospitality it's purely for the scottish hospitality sector in terms of um resources online resources there are different lots of different hospitality sites that you can use for news and views and things but where we differ we we use news and views and and, and opinion pieces but we actually we use our site to be promoting the clients rather than just as a news site or as a features site. So we can feature news and features, but actually what we end up doing more is we, we sell certain sections of the site to our clients and then they are then provided with unlimited uh, space to send us their, um, their releases, their stories, their features, their articles, their interviews, whatever it may be. And we are then, the agreement is that we then publish and promote that so it's it's far better value for them to take out an account with us for a year and they then are literally able to send us if they want to send us 20 articles a day we're compelled to publish those and then promote them that's the deal some of them don't use it as much as that they might send us one a week some really don't take advantage of it enough and maybe send us one every fortnight and that's fine and we can work with that but actually it's the power of editorial online that really drives optimization and it's a lot more powerful the more they send us. We make it interesting and we'll make it relevant. If, if they're sending us something just for the sake of it, we will turn it around to, to actually make it uh, relevant for the audience. But the more we get, the more we can do for them and the more we push them up the rankings. That's a, that's a great service, actually. I mean, and, and you're quite right. I mean, if you if you can help them to, to make it more relevant for them, because a lot of people don't realise how to how to phrase things how to pitch things um so if you can provide that service as well that's fantastic brilliant yeah i mean okay so you know the pandemic as we you know we, we've talked about how it has affected us personally but you know it's affected hospitality across the board it's been well documented i mean nearly every day in the in the news um in your view do you think the situation in scotland has been different to the rest of the country. I mean, I've I've I spend a lot of time in Scotland, um, and through work, I meet a lot of Scottish hospitality. I have done a, a lot of Scottish hospitality people, and I get my view from being amongst them is that there's a slightly different culture, maybe, uh, in Scottish hospitality. Do you think? hospitality companies in Scotland, Scottish hospitality, do you think it, you know, requires different forms of, of help? Um, are, the, are their needs different? It's a very, it's a very good question. It's also, I mean, in, in many respects, hospitality, the whole of, the whole of trade is different up here. It's, it, Scotland is seen as, as sort of a, a, not a micro market, that's wrong, but it's seen as its own self-contained market. And if you can break that market, from wherever else you are, south of the border, abroad, whatever, then Scotland can offer a sense of, of loyalty to your brand and, and to your uh, to your products and, and your 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 services. Um, getting into that market is quite tricky in the first place. Um, from hospitality perspective and the operators up here, they found it as tough as down south, potentially tougher because it's, you know, we're 
bound by the rules of the Scottish Government and what they decide is appropriate for beating this pandemic that we're all going through or getting past it. Um, without getting political, because it all depends on on whoever, you know, on whatever, um, uh, whatever political leanings someone may have. But what we're seeing from Caging Scotland is that a lot of operators out there are finding it increasingly frustrating that uh, the government up here are doing their best in terms of trying to safeguard the people that they're tasked with looking after, i.e. the population of Scotland. But at the same time, it's at the expense of businesses because you have a situation at the end of last year where all these companies uh, had, um, all these operators had, had vested a lot of money because they'd been told to in terms of um, uh, PPE and uh, various innovations to keep people separate and different security measures and uh, serving tables and glass screens and everything else. And then the rug was pulled out of them shortly after that and said, oh, no, sorry, you're just going to have to close again. And they spent all this money and there was no um, there was no uh, sort of recompense for that. Um, and so they felt incredibly let down and frustrated about that. And I, I, everyone understands why it happened, because you can't let this virus um, run loose. But there, there didn't seem to be any acknowledgement that the hospitality industry had gone through this. And the other argument, of course, you'll be aware of is that arguably if you're in a pub or a, a restaurant or a hotel, you're under the guardianship of the people who run that. And it's their responsibility to make sure that you are acting responsibly and you're in an environment that, you know, you're 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 there and it's a privilege to be there. So you better act responsibly or you're out. Um or, or sanctions will be taken against you. And 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 if you if you throw everyone out of the pubs and the bars and the hotels and you tell them to go home, then if they're in that kind of mood, they'll just take their friends with them and the virus will spread anyway. So it was kind of counterproductive. And I think Scotland um, Scotland has frustrated a lot of operators that way. And you can see that from all of the different organisations that have sprung up. These Zoom calls happen all day, every day uh, amongst different operators and their representative bodies. Um, and a lot of the message that's coming out is we need the freedom and we need the autonomy to be able to determine our own future in terms of how we're managing our business. Don't tell us, you know, Especially, actually, the funny thing is, you're asking about what Scotland is like. I've been in Edinburgh a few times over the last uh, week or two. There doesn't seem to be any lockdown at all. Cars, people everywhere. And I'm hearing a bit more about that in London as well. I don't know where all these people are going because when they get there, everything's shut. But they're just out. And it's almost like they have been told quietly, yes, lockdown's over. You know, just go out. I mean, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. But you're OK to leave. There's no there's no significant police presence anywhere. There's no checkpoints that I'd heard that there might be nothing. People are just out and about. And I suspect they've got their excuses ready if they were to get uh, stopped. But um, it's, it's, it's a difficult one up here because you, the UK as a whole is trying to beat this and Scotland is being more cautious and that's understandable, but it's also strangling the sector. And I think they need to, to act more uh, cohesively. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the the awards. Uh, you you touched on how they how they came about. Um, how did the uh, pandemic affect the awards? They were postponed from last year. Tell me, go through that with me. There's an interesting story. So we were right in the middle of entries opening or being open uh, in March last year, and it's traditionally the busiest time. So entries are open for six weeks from January to March, end of January to March. 
uh, for all of the categories. People enter online, or they enter their businesses online, and they send all of the information through to us. We collate it, and then it gets uh, sent off to the judges when the judging happens. Very much like the, the Catra.com uh, People Award. Um, when the pandemic started to hit, we didn't really have much of an idea how it was going to affect us at the time. In fact, I phoned the event manager and said, I think we're going to need to, this was the beginning of March, we're going to need to put off the awards in May. And she said, all oh, right, that's that's going to be tricky. But I said, well, we don't really, I mean, we don't have to, but it's not looking great at the moment. And we you know, probably won't be able to uh, attract too many people if it's going to continue. So we agreed to, and I phoned the hotel. And at that point, I remember the conversation with the venue. And they'd had a couple of cancellations, but nothing was terrible. It was, it was, it was, um, it, it was remarkable how quickly it escalated after those calls. That was like the beginning of March, and then within three weeks, everything had shut down. And the effect it had on us was that not only could we not have our awards, but actually we stopped getting entries. So if we've got 20 categories, for example, we only had sufficient entries for 10 or 12 of them because people tend to, you'll know exactly what this is like from your own. They tend to treat <laughs> yeah. it like their tax return, the process, yeah. and they will leave it until the very last minute. And then they go, oh, I've got to get my entry in. And if we close them at you know midnight on a Friday in March, they will be there typing away at 11 p.m. and yeah. they'll be all sending it through uh, at the same time. And so the result of that is when we um, closed the entries down 10 days before they were due to, to enter. Well, in fact, we didn't actually officially close them, but everyone knew that nothing was going to be happening with the awards. Um, the entries just stopped. People were firefighting their own businesses and their own yeah. livelihoods and their own worries. And we totally understood that. We didn't really say anything about the awards not happening. It was sadly very obvious that they weren't going to be able to take place because nothing was open. Uh, so that was catastrophic, I would say, um, without being too melodramatic from an awards perspective. But everyone was going through the same thing. So we weren't in any different boat than than any other business or, or person. Um, and we just sort of had to ride with it and just wait to see. It's a bit. It became a bit more frustrating because as we were coming out of the summertime, we could see some hope on the horizon. And, you know, there was the eat out to help out and things were opening up again. It wasn't normal by any means, but it was the it was looking like it could get back to some degree of normality. And the entries that we had been accepting were, of course, based on 2019's activity because they were open from last January. And so it was based on when times were good. So we still wanted to be able to to acknowledge those and to promote them and have an award ceremony, but we couldn't physically have it. Um, and we decided quite early on not to take it online. We wanted to ride it out and see when we could. We would We would rather not have a ceremony than go online because um, everyone was spending all day online and we just didn't want to ask them to do that again for a ceremony. We didn't think it was going to lend enough to the shortlisted finalists when they were eventually judged. We didn't think it was going to lend enough to the sponsors who you know, paid to be part of this event. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we started to consult with all of them and we very quickly realized there wasn't a huge appetite for taking it online. Others had, and that was great. And you know, some of them did really, really well with the way they did it. But uh, we just decided that we were going to uh, wait it out and, and try and come up with something different. So if we couldn't physically have a ceremony, we were going to work something else out that would be the next best thing. Um, and that's what we've, it's the idea we've come up with now. Okay, so what are your plans? I can't tell you. <laughs> that was going to be my, my next reveal. I just can't say. No, it's not. It's not a huge secret, but it, it's it, a. It's dependent on being allowed out of the current lockdown, 
Um, it's not necessarily bound by the restrictions in terms of being able to have a large event, because I don't think that's going to come back for a wee while until at least the vaccine has rolled out through the population of those who will end up having it. Uh, and then there's going to be a lot of changes made and whatever. So we may not get back to the large indoor sort of five to six hundred person guest in a big hotel that kind of night for uh, for the next few months. We're hoping to for the 2021 awards, but we don't want to ignore or forget about the 2020 awards that were literally just judged a couple of months ago. Um, we have a shortlist. It's now been published and we have a plan on how to announce that. But again, there's not much I can really say without giving too much away at the moment. Uh, so but it will become clear fairly swiftly when we start to roll it out. OK, well, there are there are some things we can talk about um, and something I find quite uh, quite interesting. You've got three new categories uh, yes. in, in, for these new awards. You've got the Collaboration Award, uh, the Innovation Award and the Social and Community Award. What was the thinking behind introducing these? What are you aiming to highlight? Okay, so this was this was an interesting time last summer when we realised that we wanted to continue with the 2020 awards, um, but obviously we were we had a shortfall in terms of the number of entries. People had just, as I said, shut down their businesses and, and been trying to to firefight them. So we wanted to reopen all of the normal categories in the summertime to allow people uh, the the opportunity to to enter if they had been meaning to before lockdown. And then we started thinking, well, if these are for 20, uh, 2019's activity, what can we introduce that will acknowledge the the pain and suffering and sacrifice that everyone's going through at the moment um but also the work that some of these organizations have been doing um to really give something back so suddenly because lockdown was effectively so sudden you had all these uh, operators who had a lot of resources and they had a lot of generosity and they had a lot of goodwill and time and staff and there wasn't much they could do with it because the industry wasn't functioning properly. So we came up with two or three new or three new categories that aimed to acknowledge the work that a lot of operators had been doing and a lot of individuals had been doing during the first few months of lockdown um, to help others, either to help themselves get through it uh, by motivating and keeping their staff busy or their clients um, or, or literally helping uh, others, in some cases actually helping competitors. Um, by collaborating with them to make sure that actually it's the kind of if we don't get through this together, no one's getting through it type um, approach. And so we, we came up with two or three um, drafts of the criteria for these. and We handed them around the judging board to see if we could if they could help them shape it for us. And then we came up with these three categories, as you said, the Social and Community Award and the uh, Innovation Award and the Collaboration Award. And when we reopened the entries for all of the other categories, as we, we introduced these at the same time. Um, and what was remarkable was that the level of interest in them we hadn't ever experienced in 18 years of the awards is normal. If, if, if we were to enter, if we were to introduce a new category, which we sometimes do, we, we, you know, we might mothball one if it's become out of fashion or becoming less popular or whatever or relevant, and then we'll introduce a new category. Traditionally, that first year of that category is, is not particularly uh, um, busy in terms of entries. It's, they're never that popular. Sometimes they are, depends on what it is, but often they're not because people just don't know enough about it or they're not aware of its existence or whatever it is. Um, or they want to find out the kind of uh, winner that will eventually uh, come from it. So they're never that popular. But these three new categories last summer uh, were 
were the most popular I think we've ever had. They were, we were just inundated with entries for all of them because all of these people had had pent up um, emotion and yeah. and they'd been they'd been doing all these things not for recognition, but when they realised they could get recognition, they decided, yeah, actually I want that, or or I want to put someone forward for that because the work that they've done is just phenomenal, um, and so. Yeah, they just came flooding in and it was really heartening to see, really heartening to see and actually really interesting to find out what people have been doing there because they hadn't been shouting about it. And, you know, why would no. they? No, it, it is. When you do a bit of digging and you find out what people have actually been doing and, and organisations off their own back, it's just it's amazing. Mm. It's 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 very inspirational. I've been doing a lot of a lot of that over this past year and um, finding out what people have been doing. And it's great. So it's very exciting. that And, and it's terrific that you've introduced these to the uh, to, to the to the awards. Um, how do you see Scottish hospitality rebuilding itself? over the coming months. The vaccines are a big success now um, and there's a roadmap for reopening. What 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 do you foresee and what would you like to see? I yeah, I would like to see um, things beginning to open up cautiously but 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 gradually and consistently over the next couple of months. So one of the things that we've organized um, that we actually managed to hold over the, the end of the summer was a road trip. So we've done a couple of, they started off as networking road trips where the idea was to get people together, let them enjoy Scottish hospitality and the roads and everything else. And they, and they, they, they come together through a shared love of hospitality, but they also have other interests. And, and one of those major interests is driving and cars and roads and fun and, and just socializing. Uh, and we found that because of the summer lockdown, the demand for that was we had we did have one plan for April, May last year. Obviously, that had to get put off. So long story short, we were able to to do it uh, in uh, October. Um, there was a slight uh, sort of noticeable um, increase in caution from some people who said, I'd love to join you, but I better not or I can't or I can't get. Actually, they couldn't really travel from uh, from down south to come and join us. A lot of them couldn't. Um, but we got 25 to 30 people. We did two days of the North Coast 500, stayed in a couple of spectacular hotels. And more important than anything, we actually wanted to, to continue to visit them because we didn't want to let the hotels down. We didn't want to say, because while they were open, while it was legal and we were able to go, if we had to stay within the, um, the rules and regulations of social distancing, you know, instead of having a big banqueting table, we were at tables of two. Uh, and you had to finish drinking by 10 p.m. and then go outside. We were fine with that. People were just so desperate. The, the, you know, the summer had built up this kind of pressure cooker of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of, of oh, desperation to get outside. Me. Yeah. And and so so and it was absolute blast. We were blessed with good weather, uh, great roads, and just a lovely sense of camaraderie and fun. And and I was I even I was surprised. I thought it might be fun, but I was surprised as to how much. Fun we had, and we were totally respectful of the rules. You know, we we were we were all from hospitality, and so even after a few drinks, we were still keeping our distance uh, as much as possible. You know, the, you know, obviously for a photograph or something, and people are you know smiling at the end of the night together. But we were outside if if any of that was going on, and and it just showed the demand. And actually, I think that is really what's going to happen because of foreign travel not coming back for a little while. It's looking like. Um, I think the demand for obviously staycations and trips around Scotland is going to is going to increase exponentially, um, 
as the lockdown lifts. I think people are desperate to get out of their uh, out of their homes and out of their work uniforms, if you like, um, and and just and just escape and see a bit of Scotland. It's it's a great excuse to be able to do that. So actually, from hospitality's perspective up here, it's I hesitate to use the term bumper or bonus year, but I genuinely think it's going to be as soon as we're allowed to and the vaccine is rolled out more, I think it's going to be very successful for Scotland, definitely. I hope so. I really do. I really do. Um, what's what's next for catering Scotland? What, what what plans have you got for the remainder of the year and into into the following? OK, so for from the CIS Awards perspective, we have this, uh, yeah, this this alternative ceremony to a ceremony uh, for the 2020 awards. And then as soon as we're able to do that, and as I say, that that requires lockdown to lift. But as soon as we're able to do that, we're going to be opening the entries for 2021. Um, and we would hope that we're able to have a ceremony. We were always actually thinking of moving the ceremony from May, which is where it's been for the last 18 years, to the end of the summer anyway, September, October. Just award, award season, really. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them happen. Ours, ours, uh, com People Awards happens. The AA Awards, um, other hospitality awards happen around that time. October, isn't it? I think October, yeah. November. Yeah. yeah. So we September, were hoping. To, yeah, yeah, September. So I mean, we were hoping to have ours in September. There aren't. There's nothing that really clashes specifically uh, in, say, mid-September. Um, the difference will be now is that we've always had a Thursday night for the event that's the traditional party night because everyone can take the friday off or whatever um i've heard from various venues that they are now booked up until the end of time uh on a thursday night and you won't get a thursday night until well into the next life um <laughs> so don't even try it but the difference is i think uh people probably won't mind going out on a monday or a tuesday because a lot of people are still going to be working from home maybe forever or certainly for the foreseeable future and actually Whereas a Monday night was sacrilege before and a Tuesday was getting, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's quite hard work because I've got the rest of the week to, to put up with it. I'm inclined to believe, hopefully not naively, that actually Mondays and Tuesdays won't necessarily be off limits um, from now on. And, and actually people are going to be so desperate to get out to these. It's, it's funny how, how much we've taken, not taken advantage, but taken them for granted. You know, social evenings, work dues, you know, I won't go to that one because I went, I went to it last year or I've got another one next month or something. <laughs> People are going to be queuing up to go to these, I think, just to be desperate to uh, social interaction and a drink. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. I mean, I can't wait to, to get back out. Um, Alex, it's been it's been great talking to you. And I've got to say, it's uh, it, for uh, all these years, it's been a brilliant partnership with with uh, you and Catering Scotland. And uh, we're really looking forward to finding out what's going to happen and how you're going to hold the awards. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I, I, I do want, is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? How about this? Yeah. <laughs> we'll find put, out. Put, put it this way. It's, it's not groundbreaking. It's not revolutionary, but it, it hasn't been done this way before. So okay. it may, I'm, I'm making it sound far more interesting than it's going to be, but it's going to be great fun to do. Um, and cater.com as our, partners uh, have been phenomenal over the last few years and we've actually I spoke to uh, to Kathy um, a few days ago we're going to be that they, they are actually I'm not sure if you're aware but uh, as, as as part of the overall sponsorship um, we're now aligning cater.com as a sponsor with one of these new awards um, I believe it's the collaboration award um, for a very 
specific reason that will again become apparent when we're able to. <laughs> You're not getting the award, by the way, so don't be too. <laughs> But you, you may be involved in its presentation in due course. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Well, look, I, in any event, I'll be there in one form or another. Yeah. Um, and Alex, it's been great talking to you. So thank you thanks. very, very much. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed, Lance. It's been great. Really good to see you as well. Take care. Cheers. Bye now. Bye-bye.